Hey y'all, welcome back to a Friday, June 17th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. We got a three-parter on today's edition of the program, part one with uh, the Athletics' Jovan Bua, talk all things NBA, Lakers, uh, we talk about um russell westbrook uh darvin ham becoming the new head coach there uh the christian wood trade to the mavs uh what the jazz are going to do between donovan mitchell and uh, rudy gobert who their next coach is going to be um and then a little nba final stuff but uh ultimately uh, a lot of lot of fun talking with Yovan, the old friend uh, an og here on the chase almost podcast here on the blue wire pod network go check out all the other great programs all across the blue wire pod network if you have not already done so just all kinds of great stuff uh the long shot with duncan robinson we got green light with uh chris long we've got insight with chris van fleet uh spencers with Haley o'shaughnessy and jordan liggins just a very strong collection of talent uh over here at bluewirepods.com so go check all those out today and all of our great pods across our network if you've not already done so what about tennessee basketball uh, that you can go check out on sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Yeah, a lot of fun uh, previewing the guards and uh, the nice mix that Tennessee has going into next season and why even though two talented four-stars are coming in the building, like they're not even uh, expected to or need to contribute right away because of the depth and versatility that Rick Barnes is going to be able to utilize early on in Knoxville. So you can read that over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, go subscribe there tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer email the program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com again this is a three-parter so all three parts will be right here on the jason was podcast feed whether you listen by apple podcast spotify or however you get it guess what you can check it out right here uh check us out on youtube youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe and check out our stuff there um, all kinds of great video content over on our YouTube page. So make sure make sure you're checking all that good stuff out. Uh, all right. Part one with Yovan Bua of The Athletic coming up in just one second. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to The Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Thursday afternoon, a couple hours before uh, Golden State and Boston uh, go to game six here in Boston. Uh, who is not in Boston is Yovan Bua. He covers a team that I think a lot of folks do not want to see come back and win the final two games in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. But Yovan, you're here. You've killed yet another LA team when you switched over the beats. Who's next uh, on your list? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. This like toxicity follows me around wherever I cover. I'm go to the champion the defending champion lakers and they have like mm-hmm. uh two disappointing seasons so and look like they might have a third so mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see but yeah I, I guess i'm i'm bad luck i don't know man like have you so you're on vacation you're getting time away i like it but you do have i i just imagine like you've gotten some texts where you've gotten somebody been like hey did you hear andy davis hasn't picked up a basketball and like uh since the season ended what what's going on is it like code red when they said like because i could not believe that was a story because for a lot of folks who have kept up with the anthony davis thing i think you and i talked about this where he did not get to do his normal uh several month off away from basketball following the bubble season 
and that was really really hard on him and that's like his way of recharging so it didn't surprise me that he said that but a lot of people were pretty pretty bewildered at anthony davis not going anywhere near basketball post postseason yeah and, and we also don't know i don't know if it has officially come out like when that was even filmed yeah so that that could have been True. may 7th and mm. he's saying you know they're like when was the last time you touched basketball he's like oh it's been over a month like mm. and obviously he didn't he didn't say that but like I just I, I think just because when it was released, you know, it's two months later doesn't mean that that's when those things are filmed. Like oftentimes those vlog type things are at least a week old or so. Yeah. Depending on, uh, you know, the who, whoever's putting them out. So I would say we never got confirmation on when that was actually recorded. And mm. uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe it was within the last you know week, week and a half. But uh, I think. It was a complete overreaction. AD yeah. has been public about, you know, he'll take four to six weeks, not even mm-hmm. touch a basketball, not even do anything, just kind of let his body recover. And if anybody needs recovery, it's Anthony Davis. Yes. Kind of the the way, the fragility of his body. Uh, and then he'll start to weightlift again and kind of ramp it up and then get back into shooting. So is it maybe on the longer end of most stars? Yes, you know, I, I would say, yeah, like, you know, I'm sure there are people who might take a few weeks off and then get back to at least shooting and, and maybe they're not going to go, you know, full on scrimmaging, full on live action stuff. But it's at least like, hey, let me keep my jumper fine tuned and, and, and in a rhythm and, and some consistency there. And I do think Anthony Davis needs some of that where, you know, he, he's coming off the last two seasons combined shooting 22.9% on threes, Mm -hmm. which is really, really bad. And Mm -hmm. coming off that stretch in the bubble where he was at almost 40%, like the Lakers need, uh, especially if they're going to make this Russell Westbrook thing work or or try to make it work, Mm -hmm. you're going to need better shooting from Anthony Davis. So I do think that, you know, the next two, three months, he's going to really need to be in the gym and focusing on his shot and catch and shoot and even some pull-up stuff, some off the dribble stuff. Like I think he's capable of that. He's shown he's capable of that. Uh, so, but that, you know, guys taking, you know, I, I've talked to several players this off season and they all took at least a month off and hmm. before they even got back in the gym. So I don't think that that's crazy. Uh, and again, someone like 80 who has dealt with so many injuries, like, he needs to be careful and like you know you don't want him getting injured in the off season right so yeah. that would be a disaster heading into the year so i think but but there's also it shows like this is kind of the dead time of the sports yeah. cycle aside from the playoffs there isn't really much to talk about so i think people are looking for anything to uh overreact to yeah i mean that's that is a lot of it and i just <laughs> I don't know, man. Since 2020, the bubble season to now, I think a lot of players are just gassed mentally. And I think um, finally getting a normal off season away from everything. It seems like next year's NBA season should be pretty, pretty normal 2019 levels. So, hey, if you want to take some time, Anthony Davis is going to be fine uh, with or without. If he takes it, (laughs) he'll be fine. Like, that's something I would not worry about is how often he's picking up a basketball this summer. But um well to do rest and i think a lot of dudes need to like mentally recharge and get ready so um in terms of the lakers though they hired a coach darvin ham uh yovan my immediate reaction was just that like i mean that's fine i don't really it's not really a coaching thing where i think he'll be fine frank vogel was fine he won a championship frank vogel is a very good basketball coach i think darvin ham will be a very good basketball coach but I think there's significantly more factors at play that are above him and whether or not he succeeds. So 
I don't know. Were you surprised ultimately that the Lakers went with him? Do you think, did you have any inclination that it was going to go a different way? Um, were you surprised that Howard was not seriously interested in leaving Michigan for the pros and uh, coaching this team? What, what did you make of this coaching search? Yeah, well, I think that the first thing was there really was no sexy name out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it came out that Juwan Howard was technically their top candidate, which the, the Lakers can't really help themselves of just not making the coach they hire feel great. It, it's yeah. always, you know, like they hire him and then it's like, hey, well, we wanted this other guy or these other couple guys. And it's they like, all said no. Not the, that's not the best uh, way to start kind of a, a relationship with the coach. But, uh, you know, I, I think what what really was telling to me was like how far the Lakers have fallen I think reputation wise to some extent insofar as like I think this situation of, of having like you go back like 10 years like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and the, the, the whole Mike Brown situation and Mike D'Antoni and stuff but Mike D'Antoni was a very uh you know attractive coach like he, he was someone who people want like he was very highly regarded coming mm-hmm. off that that Phoenix situation and I think like had the, had we gone back ten years in time, I think the Lakers would have had a shot to get a Doc Rivers, a Quinn Snyder, a Nick Nurse. Like they would have had their pick of we're gonna poach an elite coach in a situation in a smaller market or, or a situation mm-hmm. where you know they might not be able to truly contend in the near future, and we can get basically any you know aside from a Spolstra, a Pop, like we can get basically any coach in the NBA. And mm-hmm. that is no longer the case. And I, I thought the Quinn Snyder situation of him announcing he wasn't coming back to Utah like the day after the Lakers hired Darvin Ham, yeah. I thought was pretty interesting. And then, uh, you know, them being tied. The Doc situation was a little bit more, I think, Philly, you know, I don't think they want to be paying multiple coaches. And I, I think mm-hmm. that they're going to give him one more year or whatever. But uh, you know, even Nick Nurse, like with the clutch ties, like I thought, you know, that is someone that really could be a game changer for you if you get a Nick Nurse, but that ultimately mm-hmm. didn't happen. So I think once those names are off the table, looking at it, I, I did a coaching kind of big board uh, tiered ranking. And I, I had Darvin Ham second. You know, I, I think yeah. that, uh, again, kind of looking at the market, like Terry Stotts, is that really moving the needle? Uh, is he joining yeah, the staff? Steve, uh, no, he, he okay. doesn't want to take on uh, an assistant role. But okay. like, you know, looking at something like Steve Clifford or even Kenny Atkinson, I, I think that that would have maybe been my second choice after Darvin. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was close for me between uh, Stotts and, and Atkinson. But Darvin, to me, was just someone who checked a lot of boxes. What You know, 11-year assistant uh, coach, someone who had already had ties with the Lakers a couple years as an assistant mm-hmm. in L.A. That's where he got to start. Uh, and, and throughout his coaching career has gotten stars to really buy in and, and really like him. And, and I think that's something you, you really need. And I, I think that's something that, frankly, uh, no pun intended, like Frank Vogel didn't really have last season and, and ultimately mm. like the locker room kind of tuned him out. So uh, I think Darvin, you know, worked with Kobe in LA, uh, in Atlanta, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, you know, those guys. And then now in Milwaukee, of course, Giannis, like his track record is pretty impressive. And, and coming from the the bud coaching tree which really comes from the popovich coaching tree like those coaches have a pretty impressive track record and, and yes mm-hmm. there's some misses but for the most part like you know, quinn snyder taylor jenkins like uh bud uh mm-hmm. even kenny atkinson in brooklyn like those guys all had success in, in kind of their initial year entering a new situation so 
Uh, and also, I mean, I don't know if you saw the press conference, but Darwin is charismatic and charming. Yeah. And uh, but but at the same time, he, he you can tell like he's a big dude and, and he's got this like toughness to him uh, where I think him maybe confronting Russell Westbrook or a player is going to be a little different than Frank Vogel, who's a little hmm. more mild mannered. So I think there's a lot, you know, he's got this gravitas to him and just, you know, again, coming from the bud system where uh, Milwaukee's had a lot of success. Atlanta had a lot of success. I think, you know, he has, he has the pedigree of an assistant coach who steps in and is successful. The question for me, of course, is, what happens with Russell Westbrook? Is he on this roster? And, and like, you know, how does that factor in? Because that to me really is the ceiling on this Lakers team. I still think that if you have LeBron and AD, if AD is AD and not the AD we've seen, you know, the last year and a half, that is two top 10 guys. And no matter how bad your supporting cast is, you have two top 10 guys, you have a chance against basically anybody. Uh, but Russ, I think, limits your ceiling on both ends and mm-hmm. limits your flexibility and, and kind of the pieces you can put around those guys. And I really think that if Russ is on this team, they're like a six or seven seed. They're going to basically, you know, barely be making the playoffs or, or kind of be in that play and mix. And that's another disaster kind of season where you're basically wasting one of LeBron's last prime years, you know, if he's still kind of technically in his prime. Uh, so to me, like the Lakers have to do anything in their power to trade Russell Westbrook, attach a first round pick. I don't. I think maybe attaching two is too many, but uh, you, you, I think you got to flip Russ for whatever you can get for him and, and really move on because I think if he's on the roster, there's no sign to me that they can make this work. Well, we'll hold the Westbrook thing because I want to. We'll get into that a little bit more. I mean, he was at the press conference, so I think that uh, signed, sealed, and delivered that he's back uh, for next year. But it's also <laughs> like, I mean. I'll hold the Westbrook thing for a second. Okay. I think part of what's interesting too, and I want to get your perspective on this, is that like I think part of the reason if you're Doc or you're Quinn or you're Nick Nurse, your current situation or where you could go is better than the late what the Lakers can offer. Um, where I think there's a possibility, and this is something I said a couple weeks ago on the pod, where I think there's a there's a strong possibility LeBron's already played his last important NBA game. Like I think there's a strong possibility as a main guy, a prime guy, I think he's played his last one. And that the bubble run, it, we're going to look back on is like, oh, that was it. Like, he gave it his all in the bubble with AD, and now he's kind of stuck. And I think LeBron knows he's stuck. And that's why you're seeing the, I want to own the Las Vegas franchise team. And, like, I'm I'm a billionaire athlete now. He's now in that status now. And he's got a lot of focus on Bronny. And he's ready. He's just hanging out just to get there. Like, he just wants to be in the league when Bronny comes up and that kind of thing. Um, but I think there's a strong possibility because they're just, you talk about moving on from Westbrook, but I, when I look at the finals and you talk about this, like I said, they were not going to be in the playoffs last year. And this was before the season and the tape show. I was like, I think what we've learned post bubble is that, I mean, look at Tatum in the finals. Like he's out of gas and I don't, I think it's going to come out that he's hurt and that he's been playing hurt, uh, in this finals the sh- and shoulder uh, yeah. looked right. Yeah. He's just not right. And the team that looks like, I mean, we're taping this before game six, the team that wins, the team that has 13 deep, the team that has just guy after guy, they have the young guys if they need to, they have the vets, they brought Iguodala back, the Porter signing, you have Kavon Looney, you go up and down the list so that if Steph doesn't hit a three all night, you could still win um, because they're just so deep and the Warriors did not have that group together the majority of the season. They had to rely on different people to get to this point 
I just don't think there's a scenario where the Lakers can build up enough depth to contend like they used to. Like, I just, I don't think there's a path for them to get 9 to 10, 11 guys that Darwin can trust to get them there so when AD sits for a while and he gets his rest or LeBron has to get his rest that, like, there's enough (laughs) in the Calvary to keep this thing humming. I don't, I just don't see the path. I think they're kind of stuck. And I would guess that a lot of coaches around the league are like, look, we love LeBron and we love AD. We would love to coach them both in a vacuum. But this situation, I don't see how we navigate this cap situation, the roster situation, that we can get the depth necessary to contend over the course of a month and a half playoff stretch. I just think it's asking too much of AD and LeBron in 2023. Like, I just, I don't think it's possible. What do you think? Am I too harsh or too too difficult on them? No, I, I think you're, you're you're being pretty accurate. Like, I, I think this all, to me, stems from an overreaction to last season, the 2020-21 the mm. season, and them really thinking that they needed this, like, second ball, you know, elite star ball handler mm. next to LeBron because I, I don't think LeBron wanted to carry that offensive load anymore. But really, I mean, the it's I come back to the Westbrook trade the Westbrook trade like because even that that second season of LeBron and AD they start 21 and 6 they Mm. are in second in the West AD goes down gets injured and then LeBron goes on this crazy tear where that's when he enters the MVP mix and and we're talking about can LeBron win an MVP at like 36 Mm. and uh, they were still top three in the West and then LeBron sprains his ankle uh, Solomon Hill dives into it and he you know collapses and he's out for a bit and now the Lakers don't have any stars and right. th- you know that's when they plunge from top three in the West to a play-in team and you know, end up making the seventh seed but they're up 2-1 on Phoenix at, mm. you know, in a 2-7 matchup and 80 goes down in game four and you know returns briefly in game six but like you know can't really play and that's the end of that series but I think there was an over reaction to that team losing in the first round and kind of the context of the season because I still think like if you kept that blueprint of the first two years of just we're going to put these three knee role players around LeBron and AD and we're going to kind of have like two identities where we can go big with our centers or we can go small with LeBron and AD at the four or five like we can kind of match up stylistically against anybody and and even a guy like Kuzma who I think had always kind of been a little overrated because of just playing for the Lakers. Like he still served a valuable role of just being this giant forward who could defend multiple positions, mm. shoot the three ball well, and like get out and transition. And the body Portis type role, they consolidated their depth for a mm-hmm. third star, which works if you get a third star. But they did not get the third star, so yeah. you now traded for a guy who's not playing at a third star level, and you also lost your depth. And mm-hmm. that was clearly a big problem last year. And they could have partially solved that by keeping Alex Caruso, who mm-hmm. I, I think would have, you know, would have been their third best player last year, you know, mm-hmm. by a solid margin, uh, but chose, you know, they could have kept Talon and Alex gone deeper into the luxury tax. Didn't do that. It basically became an either or kept Talon, lost Alex. And that was a huge mistake. You know, Talon wasn't mm-hmm. very good. Alex obviously continued to do what he did in Chicago, uh, you know, aside from getting injured by Grayson Allen. And, yeah. I think, you know, now they're kind of in this tough spot where Westbrook is is declining and, and kind of in denial about it. He's not playing at a third star level. 
and you really have no way to get the depth that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. I think the one possibility is is if you can do a Indiana or Charlotte trade where you can mm-hmm. get a, Bro- a you know a Brogdon and a Buddy Heald, yeah. a Brogdon and a Miles Turner or a, a Gordon Hayward and a PJ Washington, a Terry Rozier and a Kelly Oubre, uh, you know, maybe even throw in a Mason Plumlee and kind of figure out the contracts there. Can they afford that? Um, with Wes, and also I mean, with bring Russ back Malik Salary, Monk. With, with, yeah. So, so Monk was Malik, actually good for they, him last year. Like they actually yeah, kind of need Monk they, back. They can, only, they can only use their taxpayer mid-level, which is about 6.3. I mm-hmm. think he, he's going to get more than that, honestly. I, I think he's probably going to get the full mid-level of, of like 9-ish, 9, mm-hmm. 9.5. Uh, so so he's I think out. Malik's probably gone. Um, and I, I think if you're looking at them, if that's your one tool you can upgrade the roster with, like based on the current construction... You have Russ in the backcourt, and now maybe mm-hmm. here we're, we're flipping him. But you have Russ, you have Talon, you have Austin Reeves, you, you have uh, Kendrick Nunn coming back, who you spent the taxpayer on last summer. Yeah. So like you're kind of full in the backcourt with, with guys who expect to play and, and guys who can play, you know, to, to varying levels. You need front court help. I mean, your front mm-hmm. court is barren. It's LeBron and AD, and then Wenyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson. Like mm-hmm. you need a lot of front court help. So I do think that the Lakers are probably going to use that taxpayer mid-level exception on a three and D wing, the best that they can get for you know that money, and or but who is that? Have you the a stretch five? It's bad, man. It's yeah. bad. Um, you know, honestly, like Daniel House or like a, like Cody or Caleb Martin are like kind of realistic names I've oh heard God. that like, could be in the mix. Next and, like, year. That's it's over. I'm, I'm writing it in. Yeah. So I'm so I'm, but I, I think if if you can flip. To, to me, I love the Indiana trade, and, and that's yes. one where, to me, like you throw in the first, and honestly, you might even throw in two firsts. And, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but to me, it's like, what are you doing with LeBron and AD? Like, what's the point? Of, like, you know, unless you just yeah. care about being relevant, you know, being on first take and and you know, ticket sales and all that stuff, and, and that's fine if, if that's the approach you want to take. But like, mm. the Lakers are, you know, Rob Polinka likes to remind us, like. For the Lakers, it's championship or bust. If you do not win the championship, the season is pointless. Like, there's no, they don't hang conference, you know, Western Conference Finals, you know, banners in Staples yeah. Center or, or, or Crypto.com Arena or their practice. <laughs> center. Like, it's all it's all about championships for the Lakers, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like, they're in this arms race with the Celtics for for all time, you know, most championships. So, to me, I'm like, if, if you have LeBron and AD and you have a, I think you have a championship one, two. You obviously don't have a championship three through ten. You have to do everything you can to get that championship three through ten. Mm. And, and to me, if you can flip Russ for again, Bro, you know, Brogdon and Heald, Brogdon and Turner, Heald and Turner, something like that, with Indiana, get that money off their their cap and, and send them future picks, which could be valuable. Mm. I think you have to do that because now, if you're saying okay, like I, I mean, I would love. I think the Lakers would love like Brogdon and, and Turner would make you know a lot, a lot of sense, right? That plugs your your point guard and your center spot. Um, but like even if Brogdon and healed, you get those two and, and now all of a sudden, okay, like, sure. Is it your ideal, like third and fourth best player? Probably not, but it's better mm. than Westbrook plus whoever else is there, you know, going to be their fourth best player. So I, I think yeah. now you still have that, the, the taxpayer mid-level exception to use and you add an, another rotation guy there. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, well maybe Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, young guys kind of improving. Like those guys take many steps. Kendrick Nunn is back. Talon maybe gets better as a shooter. Like, th- there's ways I think like for them to kind of improve internally uh, as well as the rust trade. But 
that's kind of their path. Otherwise, I think if they keep Russ, this is a low-tier playoff team that's probably losing in round one. Maybe can pull off an upset with the right matchup and then lose in round two. But, like, you're not a contender. I mean, like, no. they're not a contender if they keep Russell Westbrook. They might not be even with if they trade him. But, like, yeah. I only have to see do them something. being yeah. a contender if they flip him. That, that, that's how I view it. I I mean, I'm so curious to see how Darvin constructs this roster and his lineups. But, I mean, especially if Westbrook comes back. But I just... I don't know, man. Like, the Brogdon trade, like, I would probably do healed Turner would probably be my comfort level just with the shooting and, you know, what you get in uh, heel kind of filling the KCP role. Not the same defender, but Turner, um, you like the, the stretchability with him and he can go outside and AD can do what he wants to do inside. And that, that seems more feasible to me because think about Brogdon. I mean, one of the, he's so much fun to watch cutting and just finding his way inside and he gets to the line and that's all good. The injury stuff. I am not tying next season to Brogdon, AD, and LeBron's health. Like, that's just... Those cannot be your three most important players because the the, the odds of all three remaining healthy for the... For, like, just for a deep playoff run is just unrealistic to me. So, I feel like if you move Westbrook or whatever you do this offseason, you have to bring in a vet, veteran guys that you know will be available come June, May, when it, when you really need them, that they're, they don't have that track record. And those kind of guys are in high demand right now because everybody wants those guys because I think everybody around the league now knows that depth is king. Like, even if you have a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown, you need other guys. Like, you need other guys to get you through this gauntlet. Like, Steph Curry needs a Jordan Poole. Like, everybody needs additional help, even when you get the star. It's not just that, oh, do you have a star now? We're contenders. Well, what's the rest of the roster look like? It's not the bubble season anymore. Like, we're in a point now where these guys are so taxed and they're asked to do so much on both ends of the floor and the game is so fast and the seasons are so long that I just... I, I don't see it without significant depth and guys you can rely on. And I would just be very curious to see who they end up relying on if they do move Westbrook, because that's the one thing about Westbrook with that gamble that you could understand is that he's going to play like Westbrook's healthy and that dude is going to play. So if he was going to be that third star, like the man is a warrior. He is a physical warrior and was going to play. It's just not well. See, Okay, but my, my my pushback on that is like mm. because I, I've had it, you know, I've had a bunch of Westbrook stands in my mentions of because I've been yeah. hammering. I, I've written a couple anti Westbrook things of just like kind of similar to what I'm saying now. Like I just I don't think they can contend if he's on the roster and he lacks awareness and and I mean he's it's funny he, he's actually nicer to us off camera than he is on yeah. camera. Like it, it's almost like he'll, you know he'll kind of shoot the shit a little bit. Mm. off camera and and you know like person to person he's a i mean i, I have nothing against him as like a person right like right I, you know most people in the nba i don't have anything against them it's just it's his performance and it's the yeah. fact that you know he takes bad shots he doesn't finish well in the paint the way he used to he turns the ball over a lot and he doesn't really try defensively like those mm-hmm. are four like those are my four gripes with russell westbrook and um but do you think I he think knows that, that though? Do you think he knows? No, that, like those are true. I think no, I think he, he knows it to to some extent. Like I think he he he's you know he's been a little self critical, but he yeah he he like measures his success. I mean, he said in his exit interview, he was like, mm. "Well, I didn't average a triple double this year, so it wasn't a good year for me." And I was like, <laughs> "If that's your measure of like your success, like you have like what about you like shooting a career or like second worst you know sh- uh, sh- percentage at the rim." Mm. of your career like what about 
um, you know, all your defensive metrics being just awful. Like, what about yeah. your true shooting percentage being awful? Like, I, I just this three point percentage continuing to to decline. Like, I just think with him and and then but then there's the, the Westbrook stands and people saying, well, at least he's available. I'm like, like yes, that is nice. Like, I'm you know, you'd rather a guy be available than not be available, but. Mm-hmm. It did not help the Lakers. Like he had right. the worst plus minus on the team, and sure, I think to some extent part of that was him being available hurt his plus minus because he was playing with so many bad lineups and stuff. But like, I think the Lakers would have been better off like bench Russell Westbrook and give the keys to Malik Monk. You know, like give mm. the keys to Taylor Horton Tucker. Like let those like let they were more successful with the young guys than anything. Like let those guys run the show, and they're going to have the basically the same results if not a little better in my opinion. So and it would have been I don't think like they just re-signed uh Caruso like he's starting and then you have Caruso and Monk and then Westbrook off the bench. I don't know. I feel like it's a totally different vibe and a totally different and, situation. And the Lakers like in in retrospect kind of w- with how this all played out like if you remember at the 2021 deadline mm. they had the trade that they weren't willing to do with Toronto which was Taylor, KCP and a first for Kyle Lowry like now in retrospect it's like you would have been way better off with that deal yeah and having Kyle Lowry and then and you know who's not perfect he comes with his Mm -hmm. flaws but you you saw in Miami he can be a third guy on a team that makes the conference finals uh and you know someone who I mean much better than Westbrook like on on both ends uh and then also you you still would have you know you would have lost Taylor and KCP but you already lost KCP in the Westbrook deal Mm-hmm. And, you know, Taylor and I, I think didn't really help them last year. So uh, you probably would have kept Alex in that case. So now you have you still have Kuzma. You still now you have Kyle Lowry. You still have Alex Caruso. Like that team to me makes a lot more sense. You kind of, you know, revamp the center position and go from there. And like that team to me is still at least in the playoffs, if not kind of maybe fighting for home court and having a puncher's chance at winning a championship versus last year's team where. They didn't make the play-in. It's like insane to me that the Western Conference favorite entering the season didn't even make the play-in tournament. Yeah. Not my favorite. Not my favorite, Not yours. Yovan. You called it. You called Not it. my favorite. Um, but we'll see what happens next year. We'll see. Uh, last thing on the Lakers. Do you think uh, Wall to LA is dead? Is that 100% dead? I think so. I think it died at the trade deadline. Uh, okay. You know, because Houston's wanted a first for him, and the Lakers are basically like, we're giving you a better player you know for yeah so uh, yeah, i yeah i don't Do we think. think he's a better player at this point no i, I think john wall is a better player yeah uh but i i think like the optics are like russ is the better like russ is the bigger star russ is i mean like it's per game like he still put up 18 7 and 7 but it was a very empty 18 7 and 7 and a yeah. lot of those numbers came with lebron and ad being out so like you, you got to remember that those two missed 60 plus combined games and he still only put up 18 7 and 7 so imagine like what's I, the I think size difference healthy, it, well what's uh, the what's the size they're, difference they're not with those two i was gonna say the size difference between drew and um westbrook because that's the ultimate say, thing if you're a darvin ham believer you're like maybe he can he spent so much time with drew I think I, my, my problem with that though is like I, yeah. I feel like people are selling Drew short defensively of how like Drew's always been an all defense like That's I, true. I think maybe he's gone up to a different level in Milwaukee but Drew's always been a really good defender Russ has really they're both never six, three. Been, like you know yeah I mean Drew, Drew's stockier Drew, Drew's got like I feel like a stronger base 
Um, I mean, Westbrook's still strong. Like he's still he's still strong. Jack. But I think Drew. I just think Drew's strong. Like you know, I just yeah. think Drew's a different. Uh, I mean, you, you saw actually Russ was probably more effective last year guarding like small forwards than he was yeah. point guards. Um, but huh. he's still like. I think the 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 thing that that maybe kind of irks me the most with the whole Westbrook situation and, and we were talking about like the self-awareness and what he's like yeah like he said even in his exit interview he's like I sacrificed so much I did everything they asked of me and like I made all these changes and like that just was not true he did not he had one game all season that he set more than four on ball screens which was hmm. the third game of the season against Memphis and then he never did mm-hmm. it again uh he you know he did not uh, you know, he, if you watch him off the ball, he was very just inattentive, kind of just standing in the corner or doing like whatever, like wasn't really engaged, setting screens, cutting, moving. And then defensively was completely apathetic. And like, you know, there was occasionally matchups or, or certain stretches of games where he would really lock in off the ball or on the ball. But navigating screens, you know, help side rotations, all that type of stuff was not the level that the Lakers needed. And it's like, it's not like he can say like he, he's 33 and like eight, like yes, his athleticism has declined, but he's still a top one or 2% athlete in the NBA. Like he's still mm-hmm. a freak athlete who should be able to, you know, have the stamina have, it's really an effort thing in my opinion. So uh, like, I, I know for a fact he did not do everything the coaching staff asked him to do. And I mean, I, I don't even think you need to talk to the coaching staff to know that, but I have. And like that fact is like, it's just him saying stuff like that. It just shows like either he has no self-awareness or he just is blatantly like lying about, you know, the changes in his game because he was basically the same player. He's always been just worse. Go Lakers. Um, in terms- I, I drank an energy drink before this, so I'm, I'm revved up. No, I'm saying like, go late. Like it's just bad. Like <laughs> no, it's no, just no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just, yeah. The, what the kind of energy stuff drink? gets me going. I wouldn't have guessed you're an energy drink guy because you're always at the cafe. I'm not, I'm not really. I'm not really. Yeah. I, I'm a big caffeine guy. Um, have you ever tried Ghost Energy? I have not. Is that an LA okay. thing or is that a national thing? Uh, they make like protein products and stuff, but hmm. they have they've partnered with uh, like Swedish Fish and the Sour Patch and different stuff. So like I, I like the flavors. I'm not really an energy guy, but yeah, they, like, same. They scare usually. The I, I have a huge crash when I uh-huh. so like. I like Red Bull or like sugar-free Red Bull, but um, mm. I try to not have it that often. But with this, like, it really does. Like, it, I would say it's the best energy drink I've ever tried. Where like I don't really have a crash and it gets me focused, but it gets me a little too amped up when I'm talking about <laughs> Russ. <laughs> there you go. Um, I like it. Uh, did you know like our like three or four year anniversary of us meeting in person happened a week or two ago? I got a Facebook memory. Would, would have been uh, my first year on the beat. I think so. so. Yeah, 20, 2018, I would guess. God. 2018, 2019. Yeah. yeah. Long. It's crazy. It, small time. I mean, just small world. But uh, yeah, it's been a little bit since uh, you popped into Atlanta. Uh, we had some good food, I seem to recall. Um, in terms of Christian Wood, uh, he gets traded to the Mavericks. Uh, then you've got uh, just Marquise Chris and just a couple guys that will not be factors in Houston uh, going into next year. I think Boban, unfortunately, was included yeah, in that don't, one. Don't undersell Boban, okay? You're He's... still are, how how is Boban? Are you are you all still buddy <laughs> buddy? Like well. you go on yeah. European vacations together? <laughs> like I what is the situation at, uh, at the Hustle premiere uh, at the beginning of the okay. month? Okay. Did you go to the Hustle premiere? I did. Okay. How was that? 
Uh, it was it was fun. It was I had never been to a movie premiere before, and I, yeah. I wasn't like you got invited, and you're not really sh- like I, I didn't really know what to expect, and I didn't yeah. know if it was like honestly didn't you know. You allowed to just was, go like, up to Anthony Edwards or Adam Sandler and be like, "Hey, Athletic Yabambua, yeah. let's talk." Uh, yeah, I, I didn't do that, but mm. um, but like yeah, I mean all all the the NBA players from the movie were there. Mm. Uh, LeBron was there. Adam, of course, like so. Uh, Queen Latif, like you know, all the all the main hmm. uh, principal figures from the movie were there, and then like Usher was there. Like there was kind of some <laughs> random celebrity sightings. <laughs> okay, um, but it, it was cool, and I, I I don't know if you've seen the movie. I enjoyed it. I have um, not yet. No, I think I think it's like for a sports movie. I think it's good, but I also think like just kind of you know sort of the the inside basketball kind of elements of it are you know because they they got. He, he he's a Sixers employee, so like they got really mm. good access of like Sixers arena, Sixers practice facility, Sixers like gear. Uh, there's multiple Sixers players in it, and then you know there's a lot like Anthony Edwards doesn't play himself. There's a few guys who don't play themselves, but uh, it's the, I mean the funniest thing to me is that Juancho Hernan Gomez is like this like transcendent prospect <laughs> uh, that's just like hanging out in Spain and like no one knows mm. who he is, but. I thought like there, there was a lot of touches where I'm like, okay, like that's actually, that's actually accurate. And like, I don't know if people know that that's accurate, but like, this is kind of how some of this stuff works. And I thought like the inside basketball kind of elements of it were, were cool, but I mean, sure. There, there's some cheesy corny elements to it too, as well. But I think you're going to get that always with a sports movie, but for a sports movie, I, I think it was pretty good. Okay. Well, Christian Wood though. I, Christian Wood. I, well, I figured he would get more than what uh, the Rockets are able to get for him, but I mean, it's an upgrade. They don't have to rely on Dwight Powell at the five anymore. Um, that's good. He's better at like a 12 to 14 minute guy if you need him. Um, he's kind of like that starter, the JaVale McGee type role where he's out there with the starters and you roll with him for a little bit and then you make the move and you switch out uh, going forward. And Christian Wood seems like he has a better chance of sticking uh, in late game situations than Dwight Powell. But, you know, the Mavericks are kind of stuck. Like, they don't have a lot of, like, the KP thing going sour kind of kind of screws them. Like, they're, that was where they were tying this early prime with Luka, too. And that not going the way they wanted to, they're going to have to pay Jalen Brunson a lot of money to keep him around. And your core is Luka, Jalen, and uh, Christian Wood for the next couple of years. And as we saw, I mean, Luka can take a team pretty far just on his own, but... I don't know. Like, a, there's not much for me to say when it comes to Wood and this uh, upgrade because it is an upgrade. But I'm like, they went pretty far with Dwight Powell in that spot, and Christian Wood just—he's not an all-star, and he's not going to be somebody that gets them to that next level. They also don't really have a path to get to that next level because they don't have the roster construction that will allow them to flip three or four guys for that next star. And they've never won in free agency. Like that's that 2011 on where they were like, oh, we'll we'll keep the cap room. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And nobody ever came. Um, And now, you know, you've got somebody who will probably be the best player in basketball in the next year or two if he's not already there. And you're kind of stuck. Like you're just kind of stuck. I don't know. I, I think the Mavs will be fine. They'll be good. They'll win a lot of basketball games. But I don't know. This is about the best they can do. What do you think? Yeah, I was surprised based on the asking price for Wood in the past mm-hmm. that I mean, it was essentially the 26th pick in this year's mm-hmm. draft for Christian Wood. Uh, but 
I like it. I, I'm, I probably like it a little bit more for Dallas than you do in, hmm. so far as like, I think one of their biggest issues in the playoffs was uh, aside from, from Luca and, and Jalen Brunson kind of doing their thing. They did not really have a reliable score inside the arc mm. and, and someone who like, it was all basically Luca pick and roll Jalen Brunson pick and roll, you know, drive and kick, drive and pull up, you know, drive and finish, whatever. But I, I think Christian Wood gives them because even Maxi for for as good as he was, like you know, he's primarily a spot up catch and shoot guy. Dwight mm-hmm. Powell is is offensive rebounder, roller, you know, can, can lob threat, but has to be you know has to be set up. So I, I think Christian Wood is someone who can do that. Is a really good mm-hmm. diver and, and roller and, and lob threat. But he's also someone who can post up, face up, uh, you know, slip screens, pick and pop, uh, you know, pick and roll, but but kind of roll into posting up a mismatch or something. So, like, I feel like he's someone that can score in that, like, 6 to 12 foot range that Dallas didn't really have aside from maybe posting up Luka or, or posting up Jalen and, you know, when he'll do that little fadeaway that he does. So... Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it offensively a lot for them. I think it makes their offense even more dynamic. And now they kind of have multiple looks they can throw at you at center where they can go Wood, they can go Powell, they can go Kleba. Like they can even go Dorian Finney Smith as we saw them go super small. Like, so I, I really like the versatility offensively. My biggest question is can he defend at the highest level? And I, I don't want to spoil one of our final topics, but mm. I think you've seen with Dallas, I mean, sorry, uh, with Golden State and Boston, that they, like, these teams really don't have defensive weaknesses, you know, in their rotation. Like, and, or if they do, they have ways to cover that up, and it's usually, like, the smaller, like, perimeter guys. But, like, Boston, I mean, Boston's entire rotation is, like, you know, 6'7 to 6'9, just Mm -hmm. giant athletes who can switch and are versatile. And then with Golden State... Uh, you know, their front court, Wiggins, Looney, Draymond, like all those guys are plus defenders. And then even Steph, I think, is underrated defensively. But like Gary Payton, Clay, I think has looked better progressively defensively throughout the, the, the playoffs. So like, and that, that to me, I think even going back to like the last few champions, you look at Toronto, that team was loaded defensively. The Lakers really didn't have a defensive weakness in their rotation. Milwaukee, kind of similar. So, like, mm-hmm. we've seen how important defense is. And I don't know, like, Christian Wood is the type of guy who's going to be a 30 to 34 minute a, a night guy. But, you know, can he defend pick and rolls? Can he, you know, be a rim protector? Can he box out the, you know, some of these bigger guys at the highest level in the conference semifinals, conference finals, finals? Like, I don't know the answer to that. And if you are kind of building your construction, of your roster of Luca, Jalen, Christian Wood, like Jalen is a bit of a pit bull, but he he also is undersized. Luca has mm. his limitations defensively. Like you kind of have your three best players are all like shaky defensively to, to some extent. So yeah, that's kind of a problem. Um, now, obviously, the the rest of the guys, Reggie, Dorian, uh, you know, like th- those guys, I think can make up for some of that. But y- you are kind of really going in on like offense over defense and. I think the league has kind of shifted more. You have to be elite defensively and just be able to score enough offensively. I mean, yeah, the Hawks are going to be going through that this summer. Uh, I'm trying to figure yeah. that out because, I mean, 
building a, an elite defense around Trey is just difficult. Like, it's just going to continue to be difficult uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, we'll go to this. The Utah Jazz, Danny Ainge in the building. I think people have forgotten, uh, one thing I want to mention, the monstrosity that they've done to their uniforms next year. Like, I don't think people uh, remember. I, do you I remember don't. the black and neon green that they're doing? That no. they've added that to the... Re- oh, see, Jovan, people forgot that what's already happened. I... Um, here you go. So these neon green, black, and white uniforms are coming um, that were leaked a couple months back. Um, and it's apparently, I remember at the time, that leak was for next season. Um, so unless things change, um, I don't know. These, uh, not a fan. Not a fan of these whatsoever. They have just oh, no wow. identity. So they basically copied the Hawks from like... yes. 2015 or whenever right. they had that the right. neon the volt green the volt green era whenever um yeah not not great just i just don't understand like when you're a franchise and you have a, an amazing run of success with a certain kind of uniform or it looks really good just go back to that like just do the 90s jazz i understand it's silly that you have jazz behind uh, in front of a whole mountain range in salt lake but just do that. That's what people remember. Like, that's fine. Or just do the New Orleans jazz kind of look. But, like, what what are we doing? Like, what is the jazz logo? They had that red-orange stuff for a little bit. Like, what what is their identity? The jazz have no identity. I, I would say now this at least matches in that uh, the jazz... <laughs> jazz was already, like, probably the least applicable, like, team name to that city. Yeah. I mean, maybe like Lakers, like you know, there's no lakes, but like obviously they they just they were already iconic franchise. They you know moved over from Minneapolis, but like for the you know uh, now like the, I think the colors are kind of like that does not match Utah. I mean at all, yeah. right? Like the, this neon green and black, like you know, I, I think that, that's much more of an Atlanta. I feel like colorway, mm. like at least. I actually like those uniforms. I was in the minority. Like I, I thought Atlanta's jerseys were, were cool, but. And also, like, they're super plain, you know, like at least Atlanta kind of had the the different like diamond kind of, you know, pattern on their jerseys. Like this is straight up black jersey, Utah and the number and like neon green, yellow and then like neon green, yellow with black jazz and uh, number. And then, yeah, it's just ah, this is hideous. I not I don't know how I missed this, but. I'm telling you, I, I wish you had. I wish you hadn't showed me. I wish you hadn't shown me this. <laughs> you just I'm ruined sorry. my day. I'm sorry, Yovan, but you it ruined my entire done. vacation. <laughs> That's well. I didn't mean to do that, Yovan. <laughs> I apologize. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's just the whole thing. So we'll see what if those end up being the final ones. But it seems like that's probably what's going to happen there. Uh, Mitchell, I think staying. Mitchell is part of this uh, immediate core. Quinn Snyder out. We alluded to they still don't have a head coach for next year. We don't really know what direction they're going to go in head coaching in their head coaching search. And I wonder which comes first. This is, I think, the biggest thing is I think no coach is touching this job until they collectively decide Ainge and company what they're doing with Mitchell and Gobert. Like that's got to be decided before I'm taking that job or even having a sit down because it's like, well, I don't even know what I'm walking into. Are we walking into a rebuilding project? Are we just going to double down with this core and you're expecting me to get this team back to title contention? Like what? The <laughs> You have to figure this out before you do anything. So I think it seems like Mitchell's the one who stays and Gobert's gone. Gobert in Atlanta and Gobert in a Trey-led locker room scares me. Um, 
that uh, that that really scares me. I, I understand the the defensive alignment and what that would do and that sort of thing, but I don't know, man. I that 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 scares me. But in terms of what the Jazz will do, what do you think they do if they move Gobert? Who is the right fit? Where did they go? And uh, do you think that's the right guy to move, or should they tear it all the way down? I'm kind of leaning tear it all the way down. Uh, mm. I, I don't know how good Donovan Mitchell is, uh, and and I, I don't want to. Op- you know, I, I think sometimes we overcorrect when a player has a, a somewhat. I don't even want to say disappointing season, but kind of disappointing end to the season, and just kind of the way everything played out with, with Utah. I think th- there's there's a lot of lob city with this group hmm. and I, I think just the the kind of collective um you know if, if you remember with lob city like there's a lot of times the analytical models would be like this is the best team in the west and it was mm-hmm. like san antonio was still there okc was still there uh and you know golden state was there but it was like no no, no the clippers like on paper have the most talent like they're the favorites they, they statistically are the best team in the west but it never materialized where they always lost, you know, due to injury or just due to blowing it, choking, whatever. And that's kind of been Utah the last four or five years where it's been, you know, and they've been the one seed a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. Like one or two times. But it's been Utah's the, the, the analytical model favorite. And like on mm-hmm. paper, this is the best team in the league. This is the best team in the West. They should be in the finals. They should be the favorite. But it's never materialized in the postseason. And we've seen them always struggle on one end of the floor either they, they can't make shots or they can't defend you know a smaller group and they've had their chances they, they should have beat the clippers last mm-hmm. season uh honestly they should have beat dallas i i think like you know g- given uh kind of the you know luca missing the first couple games and just sort of uh looking at the route like you know utah if they're as good as they've been made you know to, to seem like they should have won that series and mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't like i, I just think yeah i mean i, I think i think you got you got to trade at least one of them but i'm almost wondering like do you trade donovan mitchell because i feel like there's no assurance that he's going to be the, like he wants to be there I, I thought it was interesting his comments about the quinn snyder situation uh you know there's been a lot of smoke about him going to the knicks and kind of just that whole kind of uh, dynamic. I also think, uh, again, like I, I don't know how good, he, like, is Donovan Mitchell good enough to be your? Is he? Can, can he be a Dwayne Wade in two thousand six? Like, I, mm. I don't know. I, I kind of lean no. Um, yeah. So you know, can he be your number two? Maybe. Can he be your number three? I think for sure. Uh, but like, you're not keeping him in Utah to be your number three, because you're, you know, unless you're getting a high draft pick, you're not. You're probably not trading for, and you're definitely not signing someone better than Donovan Mitchell. So mm-hmm. I just wonder if Utah, like, you know, and we, we saw Danny do something similar in Boston where, uh, you know, ended up flipping uh, Pierce and Garnett. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw what the Clippers ended up, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, letting Chris, or, you know, trading Chris Paul and then trading Blake Griffin. Like, they were better off that way too. Now, I think LA and, and Boston are. Well, Boston, not as much, but definitely L.A. is like more of a free agency destination. So mm-hmm. like they kind of could be like, well, in a couple of years, we'll get Kawhi and we'll trade for right. PG. Like Utah can't say that. So maybe you just keep Donovan Mitchell. Like that's probably the safest route. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think you have to move one. And I almost look at it like if you can get a big haul for Donovan, I think it might be worth it. 
I do think the Capella and stuff package ends up happening. I think Gobert is the the one. I've been saying uh, for months that I was like, I feel like it's just Schlink's going to be like, hey, Golden State, this price tag's a little insane, and we have a history. So whichever one of these guys that you're not paying uh, long-term and you want to get off, like Poole or Wiggins, whoever it is, he's coming to Atlanta. So just let us know which ones we have to send you because we're going to pick off this uh, championship core. Um, maybe he still does that with one of them. Uh, depends if Poole still wants to be a starter and uh, if Clay's back. Like they're still just a, kind of a block there uh, long term. So I don't know. Um, but I like Gobert and Atlanta would not at all surprise me. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, Yovan, what can the good folks check out from you across uh, theathletic.com this week? Uh, the f- next couple weeks. I know you're on vacation. So uh, what uh, what can the good folks look out for? Yeah, I'll have a, a free agency big board of the, the top 25 or 30 guys for the Lakers to spend their taxpayer middle exception on. It's How a, sad is this piece? It's an enthralling list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Otto Porter Jr. might be number one, so that's all you got to know. Uh, and, and that might not even be realistic. He, he might be getting more than that. Um, pr- probably will be getting more than that. But uh, that, I'm going to have a, a, some pieces coming out of Malik Monk and Austin Reeves that I think will be good, uh, kind of about Malik's future and uh austin kind of improving and stuff and and their friendship so uh be on the lookout for that and yeah i'm I'm gonna take the next week or so off gonna be in hawaii uh looking forward to that so uh also check out my tiktok i uh your tiktok i love it yovan's always up on all this stuff he he keeps (laughs) up with all that he's always ahead of the game with uh, the kind of promotions is when stargazing season two uh, it's 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 in the works. We're, okay, we're so it is. We're getting so that. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, I, I think August, August, September. Be on the lookout. There you go. Stargazing, Yovan Bua. Um, Yovan, thank you so much for taking time out of your vacation to do this. I greatly appreciate it. Always good to catch up, my friend. And uh, we'll yes, talk uh, talk again soon. Talk to you soon. All right, that'll do it for part one here on the Friday, June 17th, 2022 edition here on the Chasing Us podcast. Thank you again to Yovan of The Athletic for stopping by on uh, part one here on today's show. Uh, if you enjoyed Yovan and I on uh, this uh, this part of the podcast, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe on uh, YouTube and check us out there. But also, if you enjoyed it and you're listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you hit that pause button and you leave this show a five-star rating and a review. Uh, it helps other people find the show and it helps other people uh, find the show which is what i just said and helps this show continue to grow that's what we're going with um all that good stuff uh part two coming up in just one second we got a three-parter here on today's edition of the chase almost podcast on the blue wire pod network so part two coming up in just one second thank you for sticking around and making the chase almost podcast part of your uh listen daily listen here on the blue wire pod network we greatly appreciate it and hope you guys stick around for all of our programming today all right uncle derek how to do nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah